listening to Her Body on Body IOFM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance, with your host, Alex Navarro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host, Alex Goladriga, and I first just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in to the show. I so appreciate all the listens, all the shares, and all the support on the topics and the guests that I bring on the show. It means a lot to me, and your feedback is much appreciated. So if you have feedback in the future, comments, questions, please feel free to share those either with me on Instagram at alexfitmama or via email. And I'd love to hear from you guys. And second, just wanted to thank you for your patience on this most recent podcast episode, because I know it's one that probably many of you have been waiting for and wondering why I haven't come out with one yet. And that's part of what I'm going to be sharing today. So today's podcast episode is going to be a solo cast. So just myself sharing a little bit more on the detail specifics of what I did in prep for the WBFF LA Pro AM competition on April 6th of this year, which is now, gosh, almost 10 weeks ago. And I can't believe it's been that long which is part of why I wanted to thank you again for your patience in waiting for this episode to come out. So a lot of what I shared in my first announcement in wanting to compete again was a few experiments that I wanted to run and prep for the show because my circumstances were obviously very different this time around and I needed to keep my priorities in line in as I put my new effort into preparing for the show and I couldn't use old methods. So what I had worked for me in the past, I needed to modify it. I needed to adjust it and make it fit my current lifestyle because I have a son now. So a lot of what I shared in the prior episode, and if you haven't tuned into that uh, and you have questions about it, please feel free to check out that episode. I give uh, some details about what my, my motivation was to compete and why I decided to do it again, and some of the challenges that I had already faced in the initial weeks of preparation for the show. Now, just like life, I feel like everything that happened in prep for the show and in the weeks following the show are just great examples of life, because these are the types of questions that I get from clients all the time when they are motivated to reach a goal. They have maybe a specific goal date in mind, which can be uh, great motivators and great sort of not endpoints necessarily, but points to reach for and give you that sort of laser vision, tunnel vision to work really hard and do all, all that you can in a shorter amount of time to see what's possible. And that's part of what my motivation was in deciding to do the show. And I gave myself a 12-week prep for the show, which is longer than I have done previously in previous competitions. Again, this was about seven years ago prior to baby. <laughs> my competition prep ranges were around six to eight weeks. So I did give myself more time in this competition prep, which I needed. I needed for a lot of reasons. I needed it because, again, my circumstances were different. My priorities were different. 
And even though the goal of getting to the show and bringing in a new package and new body was a goal, it definitely was still not my number one priority, which is and always will be my son and my family. So I had to keep that in mind in how I structured my training, how I structured my diet, how strict I was, how flexible I was. And I'm going to share all of the details on what I did in preparation in a few minutes. But one part that I wanted to touch on, which I slightly alluded to a few minutes ago, was that regardless of what kind of goal you set, however structured or strict or rigid you are in the plan that you put into place upon working towards a goal, you have to expect the unexpected. We have to plan for life coming up, life getting in the way, if you want to call it that, um, because it's going to happen. It will eventually happen one way or another. Some things you're going to get sick, which is what my experience was um, in the initial month in my preparation, being that it was cold season and my son had just started daycare. So he was being exposed to lots of new germs and then bringing them home to us, which was lots and lots of fun, lots of tissues and snot everywhere. (laughs) But it was a really great reality check and reminder that we can't, as perfect as we can plan things, We need to expect the unexpected and we need to learn how to be flexible and adaptable in those situations. And it was a great test for myself on patience, on resilience, on really listening to my body and being confident that not only did I know what to do to stay on track as much as I could during those times where circumstances weren't ideal, but also feeling confident in myself in that I still have a chance of reaching the goal that I want. I'm still doing all of the things that I know how to do, that I have control over in an attempt to reach that goal. And while it definitely was frustrating at times, and I got down on myself at times and had panic moments of, I'm not going to be ready. Why did I decide to do this? This was a terrible idea. Why didn't anybody talk me out of this? Because that did happen a couple times. (laughs) And I'll talk about support systems in a few minutes. But also setting intentions around goals is critical. And I think had I not set those intentions early on in my prep, then I easily could have been derailed more so than I was, more emotionally than anything else. Um, I was definitely physically derailed by getting sick and my son being sick and not sleeping as much as I would like to, uh, let alone need to, (laughs) in prep for a competition or an event like that. And... It was just a good opportunity to check in with myself, have that reality check of life. This is life. I'm going to manage it as best that I can using the tools that I've gathered over the years about diet and exercise, but more importantly, the tools that I've gathered about myself and my body and what it needs and how to listen to it. And tools are something that I talk a lot about on Her Body. Because without tools, how are you going to fix anything? How are you going to make anything work? How are you going to know what to do in any situation? And I like to think of my my toolbox as being extensive. 
I got tools for every situation, tools that I used five years ago that I haven't broken out since. I have tools that I might need down the road uh, that I haven't looked at yet. I have tools that I've gathered throughout my pregnancy that I hope I can utilize going into my future pregnancy, if that's you know, something I want to do soon, sooner than later. Um, but that's also not to say that the prior pregnancy tools are still going to be valid for second pregnancy because your body changes, your life changes, your circumstances changes, change. And continuing to gather tools that you can utilize or just have on hand for those if I need them situations is not only invaluable, but it's also empowering. It's encouraging. It gives you the confidence to know that you can make any situation work. Just like if you wanted to go on a vacation for seven days and enjoy yourself and all of the fun, yummy, tasty uh, drinks and foods that often come up on vacation. You know, having tools for all of those different, different situations is vital. And again, not having had those tools for myself during my initial prep would have made things a lot harder than they were. And a few takeaways that I can look back on as specifics of, okay, I'm having a freak out moment, but I can handle this. And one thing is having a support system, which is critical. And I've talked about this before, and I plan on having a future episode where we dive into this a little bit deeper, but having a support system that understands not only your goal, what you're trying to accomplish, but can also check you when you're swinging too far to the right and you need to stay in the middle, having the support system is very important. And if I had not had those conversations with my support system early on in the process, it would have made it harder for them to have those conversations with me or for me to feel confident in asking them for help or venting about my frustration or my worry or my concerns. And a support system system can look like a lot of things. Uh, my family was definitely my support system. I had friends who were my support system. And I also had colleagues. Um, Shanae Momoko, who I had on the show not too long ago, we talked about our coaching uh, practices and coaching prior coaching experiences through competing. She was a colleague that I was, I felt confident in being able to reach out to when I had a panic moment and needed a pep talk. And Having someone who understands that kind of journey and being able to have conversations like that with somebody is super helpful because I went into that conversation like, I need to talk. I'm freaking out. (laughs) I need someone to tell me all the right things. And we literally jumped on the phone, had our, you know, 20 minute phone call. And I felt like a new person afterwards. I felt remotivated. I felt excited. I had my priorities straight, which again, having priority straight is of utmost importance because that's going to help you build your intention around why you're doing something, why you're reaching for a goal, why you're working so hard and investing time and possibly money. For me, it was definitely money. So I needed to make it, make the value worth the effort and the expenses that I was paying um, to partake in this event. So that support system was essential. 
The other things that I put into place, and I touched on this a little bit in that first episode where I announced my desire to compete again, and that was creating a very structured resistance training program that was that required as a little time in the gym as possible. And at first, I really didn't think that I was going to be able to pull it off, especially when those periods of being sick came up, because it literally meant that I wasn't in the gym at all for weeks. And had, you know, those are little panic moments for sure. But being realistic about the amount of time I could spend in the gym, what movements specifically were going to give me the most bang for my buck. And for those of you who aren't familiar with shockwave protocol, that is and has been the training modality that has worked best for myself and for those who I help through contest prep, because it is a very efficient system. And in prior competition experiences, I had used shockwave, but I had still done more than three days. I had still done anywhere from four to six days, and I knew that I couldn't pull that off this time. I knew it had to be around three. If I was feeling really good one week, I would get in a fourth, but I think that happened like twice (laughs) for the entire 12 weeks. So I was glad that I made that an optional day. I also knew that I did not want to do any cardio and not because, well, I'll be honest, I just don't like it. I think I did it, overdid it way too much in my prior pre-carb night, pre-shockwave competition days, and I just don't like it. (laughs) And if I can avoid it at all costs, I absolutely will, and I did. But I did prioritize walking. Walking was an essential part of the plan, especially during those times where I couldn't get to the gym. So maybe I was recovering from being sick. Um, I just needed to get some movement in. Walking was a go-to, and I prioritized minimum of three hours a week, which is something that I also prescribe to clients. Um, It helped keep my hunger at bay. It also gave me time to get out of my head, to do some meditative walking, to think about my priorities, think about my intention around the competition and what my goals were and getting on stage again, what I hope to get out of it. It just gave me that space, that quiet time by myself. And sometimes I was walking the dog, but I tried not to count that because it was a little more interrupted. (laughs) But having that walking time and ensuring that I got it in on a weekly basis was very helpful. So that was one component that actually came prior, came first on the list before resistance training. The second part about the resistance training schedule that I created for myself was that I actually created a plan for myself, something that I do all the time for clients, but I rarely do for myself. If that's probably sounds funny, but it's true. And anybody who creates programs for other people probably has a hard time creating one for themselves too, because I do it all day and it's harder to be objective in creating my own plans. And I would say since I had my son up until the the time that I decided to commit to the show, I had no structure around my training. I would go in on a Monday and decide on my way to the gym what I wanted to do that day. There was very little rhyme or reason to my workouts. I kind of just went with what sounded good and what felt good in my body, but every day was different and again, no structure. So I knew I needed structure and I did three four-week programs. So within each four-week program, my goal was to increase my weights, 
increase my strength, increase my or decrease the time that I spent in the gym. So I was moving a little more efficiently in the gym, which was nice because it also meant shorter sessions. But again, Shockwave also allows the space for you to adapt any given session based off of how you're feeling on that day. So having that system in place was also great during those recovery weeks when I was you know, feeling better from being sick, but not 100%. I could literally just gauge my energy, how much gas I had in the tank on any given day and put in that just enough effort. And it really paid off. I saw great changes in my body. And again, just enough. It also allowed me to have more recovery time between sessions, which I think helped tremendously for recovery of not just between workouts, but recovery from being sick. Because I think being sick, that probably would have hit me harder than it did if I was going all out like I have in previous years. And not only did I not want to just overtax myself, but I had to remember my priorities, which are my son and my family. I needed to have enough energy to still play with him and do the things around the house with him and be attentive and present. I couldn't be drained all the time. And I definitely couldn't be so sore that I couldn't carry him around because he's at that stage where he wants mama to hold him a lot and he's almost 30 pounds. So if I have really sore biceps, that's really difficult. (laughs) And I only can say that from experience. So that was a priority as well. And just a side note, something I will talk about in more detail on another episode, but there is something to be said about muscle maturity and consistency over time in regards to muscle retention. Because one positive note, again, something I'll touch on in more detail later, but one positive note was I did not have to do very much upper body training throughout my entire prep because I had have built a substantial amount of muscle in my upper body from doing a variety of things, including gymnastics, that it was very little work to keep what I had and I definitely didn't need to build anymore. So I did just enough upper body exercises throughout my 12-week prep, which was honestly five sessions. Yeah, you heard that right. Five separate upper body sessions in my entire 12-week prep. Because in bikini, they don't like big upper body muscles. (laughs) They don't want a defined back. They don't want striations in the shoulders, and I have the tendency to have that happen if I train too much upper body. So that did help a lot in me creating a program for myself that had less, less, less effort, uh, less movements. I prioritized my lower body, my core, making sure my abs came in tight, but not too tight because they also don't like a six pack. (laughs) So again, knowing my body well over the years, knowing what works well for it and what doesn't, and prioritizing the things that work well made it made it manageable. It made it less daunting. I just went in and got it done, end of story, and I didn't have to worry about it effect- negatively affecting my appetite either. But in saying that, that was something that I had to pay attention to, and I guess that's a good segue into the nutritional side of things. So When I created these four-week programs, and and this is something that I have clients 
pay attention to as well because it's relevant. Anytime you start a new training program, you can pretty much guarantee to notice an increase or an effect on your appetite. Very normal. Maybe you need more food. Maybe it's a little bit more food that you need. Maybe it's like a lot more food, depending on what that new trip, new training program was like and what your effort was like going into that first week. So for myself, the times that I noticed the biggest appetite increases were in the first and third weeks of my four-week training programs. The first week being it's new. I'm, you know, testing out new weights, I'm playing with new structure, challenging myself in a different way. So I did notice appetite increases during that time. And then by week three is when I'm feeling confident with the new movements. I've challenged myself in the weight area. So I have an idea of what percentages I should be working with when it comes to weight choices. And I was able to up my intensity and push myself a little harder in those times, which often resulted in an increased appetite. So in regards to nutrition specifically, the first month, so my first four weeks, which was the beginning of January, I did a combo of carb night and carb backloading. So I had a once a week full carb night, which is around anywhere between 200 and 250 grams of carbs, and one controlled backload midweek, usually around day four or day five, depending on how I felt. And that was something very simple, like white rice with dinner or this granola that this bakery makes next to the gym that I train at, and it's delicious, and sometimes I just sprinkle it over some yogurt. So I actually don't have the macros for that, but I did enough experimenting with it in the year, the whole year prior, because I eat the granola a lot, that I had a guesstimation of how much I was taking in when I included that. For my low-carb days, I... The only changes that I honestly made was I increased my protein intake. So prior to deciding to do this show, my normal ULC macros were around one to one gram of fat gram to protein ratios. And that's a great maintenance place for me. Um, It's easy. Appetite's never an issue. If anything, I tend to not eat enough during those times, which was why I made that increase in protein. Uh, going into the competition prep is because I needed it with the new demand of training that I was taking on and it did help with my appetite. That was the increase that I made when my appetite was just more obvious. I made an effort of having a larger serving at each of my main meals and I honestly only tracked the first few weeks of my any of my nutritional days. I just a it's good for anybody to check in on themselves as to what their intake is. And that's how I knew that I needed to increase my protein was when I did that first week of tracking. And I was pleasantly surprised that I was still guesstimating pretty accurately in the one-to-one ratio (laughs) prior to that point. I was like, oh good, my intuition's still (laughs) still going strong. So by increasing the protein, it did help with those few times where I had an appetite increase. And while at first it was very challenging to get in the extra protein, I actually started to really enjoy it and really crave it and look forward to it. So I'm a big uh, red meat eater. Steak is my jam. Flank steak in particular. (laughs) And I will have it uh, as often as I can. And I did. I definitely prioritize that. 
I just feel best doing it. I enjoy eating it. It's satisfying on multiple levels for me. So I didn't stress too much over getting like a variety of protein sources. Although there were times I chose other things like ground turkey or chicken, things like that, just out of convenience. Um, Especially if I, during those few times, I, I did a couple travel trips, little weekend getaways and things like that. Where I had to prep my food ahead of time, and those are just the easiest thing to make, like meatballs or something. So beyond that, I didn't change much. Then I would say going into February is when I decided to drop my CBL night. So I was still doing an every seventh day carb night. And at that point, I this was actually shortly after my first time getting sick, and I had my first freak out moment of, I'm not going to be ready to do this. Why did anybody tell me that this was possible? This was a terrible idea. And then I got myself out of it and brainstormed some ideas, some different approaches that I thought were realistic for me to take that again, weren't going to like be a full upheaval of what I had been doing, but that would give me enough data points to know, is this working? How well is it working? What's the next experiment that I can run? So the first thing that I did was I removed the CBL. That was the obvious choice. I did not change my ULC days. Actually, I didn't change them at all throughout the rest of the prep. The only thing that I played with at that point were my carbs. So I knew that I wanted to be as satisfied as possible on my ULC days. So I prioritized maintaining those and then just experimenting with the carbohydrates. So after the first week of removing the CBL, I noticed some great changes. Um, I also noticed a really awesome, like we call it the whoosh effect. Um, I've, I've mentioned this before, and I talk about this with clients a lot. We're all kind of waiting for these whoosh effects to happen in our progress where you like wake up one day and you're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> I'm on track again. And I think it was a combination of dropping the CBL and resting, like fully, fully resting. Uh, Again, I had been sick and out of fear of not recovering fully, I gave myself a few extra days. Even though I was feeling better, I still did not jump back into the gym right away. And I think my body really appreciated that because that first week starting that new program and not having that CBL, the whoosh happened. And that got me really excited. I was like, I'm back. We can, we can do this. We can pull this off. <laughs> so I followed a strict carb night schedule from that point on. And in saying that, there were two things that I varied in my carb nights. I wanted a few carb nights every month that were very structured. They were structured in their amounts and they were structured in the types of carbs that I was choosing that I knew from prior experience worked really well for me. Yes, they might have been a little boring, um, still delicious though. Again, I never chose carbs that I didn't like eating. They just weren't as exciting, like white rice, you know, not that exciting, um, but delicious and it's still one of my favorites. And then I allowed myself at least one carb night that was untracked, that was eating out, and then more on the enjoyment factor, like, excuse me, enjoyment in terms of you know, not worrying about necessarily about what I was eating, 
but enjoying the experiences, whether it was going out with uh, on a date night with my husband, which we do prioritize. And I think most couples should, if that's an option for you. Um, but allowing those nights to be the sort of fun, flexible nights was really great for my mindset. It was great for my relationship. Um, it was great for remembering like my priorities. And again, why, like my big why as to why I was doing this. And I'm going to backtrack or like take a side note just for a second in saying that I've been in a few relationships throughout the time, throughout my years of competing. And it was always interesting in past years, especially pre-carbonite and shockwave competition days, to see what changed in my relationships. Because there used to be a phrase that a lot of competitors would say as you would get closer to a competition. And that was, now's the time to start apologizing to your friends and family for the way that you're going to start acting. Because it's assumed that you're going to be hungry and tired and grouchy and bitchy in those last few weeks leading up to a show. And to be honest, I never asked my partner at the time if I had become that person. Um, But it was very important to me going into this prep that I did not let that happen. And yes, it's normal to be irritable. I mean, for women in general, you know, we have times where that's going to (laughs) happen. It's normal to be hungry. It's normal to have moments of lack of confidence, uncertainty, again, especially like after being sick and having freak out moments of like, I don't know if I can do this, but it was very important for me to still be myself around my family. And what's great is that last week before the competition, I asked my husband, you know, what has this been like for you watching me do this? Like, have you noticed anything different? Have I acted different towards you? Like, I really want like critical feedback from you. And he was like, what are you talking about? You've been the same. Why would you be different? And I I couldn't help but laugh saying like, he has no idea what it could have been like (laughs) if I had taken a different approach for this. And that like just made me so happy in knowing that A, it's possible to do this in like a fun and healthy and like realistic way. But to we have dedicated so much time and energy and structure in like preparing for this event and not have my husband notice that like I was being a bitch at any point was great. Like positive takeaways. I already won the show. <laughs> I look great. I feel great. Nobody's upset with me. This is fantastic. So sorry, I just had to take that little side note because having nights like the date nights and him, us being able to enjoy ourselves out and him saying like, are you sure you can go out? Like him still wanting to prioritize what my needs were around prepping for the show, but him being fully supportive of like, Hey, if you want to eat at home, like we can eat at home. And I'm like, no, let's go get a burger and fries. Um, let's go have fun. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll find something that'll work, you know? And that having that support and being able to have that flexibility in a program, I think is so important and so helpful for your mindset, especially in feeling confident, getting off the stage and knowing what to do for yourself during that post show time, which I'll talk about later (laughs) because that's a whole nother thing. So I got off track a little bit back to the nutrition 
Um, there was one other thing that I changed nutritionally, and that was I did not drink alcohol. So that's not to say that I was like drinking a lot before, but I would have a drink here or there. Um, there might be a week if like, for instance, my birthday was in January. So there were a few days where I was celebrating, you know, a friend took me out, I had a drink. Um, and that, that second week in January was the last week that I drank any alcohol leading up to the show. And I honestly think that made a big difference for me in a few ways. One, it, I never sleep well when I drink, like I sleep okay, but not great. So it definitely affects my recovery. It can affect my appetite. And I also just wanted to limit this one factor that was easy to control. So again, trying to prioritize um, as many factors as possible and keep things as simple as possible. And that was like an obvious choice. So just wanted to throw that out there for any of you who are curious. Um, I did have a drink after the show and I have since. So it's not like I'm staying away forever. Then the next thing that I want to touch on is that last home stretch to the show, because there's a lot that goes on in your head, in your body, um, in those last few weeks, but especially that home stretch to the show. And again, it's normal for feelings and thoughts to come up, come into your head around, you know, you're, you're both excited, but nervous and, You know that you're ready, but then you're not sure, especially for myself. It had been so long since I had been on stage. I felt like a newbie again. I felt like, you know, I know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. I know how to pose, but I haven't actually stepped on a stage in almost like three quarters of a decade. It's a very long time. And there were a lot of, I did a lot of journaling around that. Um, I set my intentions around how I wanted to be at the event, how I wanted to be on stage, how I wanted to sort of the the energy and the charisma that I wanted to project on stage, especially I had, um, my husband was there. He had never seen me compete before. My parents were there. My sister was there. She had never seen me compete before. And it was having them there and having that support system like in person really made a big difference for me. And so having that intention around, I'm doing this for me, but I'm doing this for them. And it wasn't, there was no pressure around, I want them to be proud of me. I just want to thank them for supporting me. And I can thank them. The best way for me to do that is to show up fully and do what I came here to do. And having that intention and reminding myself of those points, um, in like, especially those like last two days and I'm like on the airplane and I'm like, okay, I'm excited. We're on our way. It's happening. You know, remembering all of those things, um, put me at ease. It made the nervousness more excitement, um, which I actually had that note in my phone that I would look at, which is nervousness is just misguided excitement. And so anytime I would start to feel nervous, I would read that, say it out loud, And then another tool that worked really well, more specifically, like the day of the show and the waiting in line behind the curtain before you step out were, I would say things like, you're ready for this because, because you've been doing this for a long time. You're ready for this because you know how to walk on stage. You're ready to do this because you did all the things that you set out to do. You're ready to do this because you feel good in your body. You're excited to be here. 
You're ready to do this because your friends and family are out there waiting for you to come out and want to see your smiling face. So that's what I'm going to give them. And having those phrases really made all the difference. And those are not tools that I had in prior years. Um, There were always things that I thought about having, but I never actively put them into play. And I'm so thankful that I did. It made that experience exactly what I wanted it to be. I got everything out of it that I could have hoped for. And it really just was an awesome, exciting, fun day. Um, I did have a client compete that day also. So we were there together. And I think that that helped a little bit in that she was really nervous. (laughs) So it sort of gave me something else to focus on also and saying all the things to her that I needed to say to myself and having said it out loud like that did reinforce it for myself as well. And just again, having that backstage experience, it's something that I've talked about in in prior podcast podcast episodes, so I'm not going to go into it too much today, but it's so fun backstage and it's a great opportunity to meet like-minded women, women who have worked so hard, who have come from so many different backgrounds and experiences and challenges and barriers that they've overcome to get there. And if you can make that you know, what could possibly be a very nerve wracking experience backstage where you're sort of all looking at each other and, and gauging. You know, it can be a very nerve wracking experience being backstage and looking at all the other women and wondering who you're competing against and going to that sort of judgmental comparative place But having it be more about learning about where these women came from, what their story is, what, what, you know, what motivated them to compete. And that part's always really fun for me. And again, having part of that focus be around that and getting to know other women and making friends is just makes, again, the experience that much more enjoyable and fun. And I did get to do that. And I met some awesome women and I'm very, very happy that I did it. I have zero regrets around it. I would say that there are a couple things that came up that were unexpected, but I kind of started this podcast episode by saying that with any goal or anything you're working towards, whether it's physical, emotional, you know, work-related, business-related, you know, life's going to come up and things are going to get in your way um, or become obstacles that you weren't prepared for and having tools to get through them, whether they're new things that you have to navigate is really important. And part of the reason I'm going to try to say this without getting upset. (laughs) Part of the reason that this took me so long to record this episode is because The week before the competition, so almost exactly a week before, um, we had a bit of a health scare with my son. And it's something that I wouldn't want anybody to ever have to deal with. And he's fine. Um, But A, it threw all of us for a loop. It was um, probably one of the scariest things that I've ever experienced. And being that it was so close to the show and it was so out of the blue and we were just not prepared to have to deal with something like that, 
it took all of my mental and emotional strength to a be strong during the situation to stay strong for my son to stay strong for the rest of us to you know just basically keep it together <laughs> and then know that i had the show coming up so quickly I did not allow myself any time to process what had happened. So I basically went from like, you know, feeling awesome and being ready a week away, you know, like final stretch to the show and then having an event happen that just throws your entire world upside down. Um, and then like try to re refocus your attention back on the original goal and not that, you know, you're not still thinking about what had just happened. But again, I having the show so close, I did not allow myself any time to process what had happened. And I literally just turned it off and I mustered up every ounce of like strength and energy and emo emotional <laughs> willpower that I had to just get through that last week, those last five days at that point of getting to the show and there are a lot of there's a lot of fear leading up in those last few days that I had to battle with around again my priorities am I doing the right thing by leaving should I not do the show um, am I being selfish am I not keeping up with the priorities that I initially set in deciding to do the show and these were lots of conversations that I had every day with my husband and we, you know, we decided that it, it was still important for me to do this for myself and for our son. Part of, you know, he was a lot of the reason why I wanted to do this. And, and I did it, obviously. And it was great. And I, having set all those intentions um, along the way, made all the difference. But in saying that, after the show, which is already a very challenging time, post-show, there's a lot of emotional things that, that come up and that is something that I'm going to touch on in more detail in a, in the next episode. In those first few weeks of being back sort of into quote unquote normal, <laughs> normal life, I still had not allowed that processing to happen um, for a few reasons. Again, I'll talk about this in more depth, but it took me a really long time to get to a place where A, I would allow myself to process it be that I gave myself the space to do it fully not make excuses as to why I shouldn't or couldn't or blame it on things that I needed to do and I didn't have the time <laughs> to do it which I know I, I hear reasons of a similar sort from a lot of clients like I don't have the time to do it don't have the space to do it I needed to make the space and I didn't and it made it really hard to be able to share and talk about the competition because that was no longer on my mind and everything around my son and my family was. And again, he's okay. <laughs> We're okay. We're happy, healthy. Everybody's good. But it's taken me this long to allow the space for myself to process it and be able to talk about other things. And <laughs> so I thanked you guys earlier at the beginning of this episode for your patience and waiting for this episode. And I really do appreciate it. Your support throughout, you know, this prep and previous preps for those of you who have followed, followed me along on, on prior journeys. Um, I thank you for your time and your support and for my clients who 
we're supportive during tough times of needing to reschedule and shift our times and all of that. Um, thank you guys so much. There is a lot more that I want to share about this experience, both in how I manage things after the show, um, my post-show strategies, because I did have those in place. And, and I am thankful that I had those ready in place because having that part streamlined while trying to process and manage all of the stuff that had happened prior to the show uh, did make it a lot easier. And it did allow me to have more space to do that because it was one less thing to think about. So stay tuned for the next episode on her body for more details on my post-show prep post-show prep, post-show plan, and some of the ways that I tackled training and nutrition and mentally and emotionally where I'm at now and what my future plans are. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Her Body, and I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Have a good one. You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your host, Alex Navarro. And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.